welcome to the Wizards of Dribble podcast. My name is David Cowdleshaw and I'm joined by Chris Brammer. Hi Dave. Hi Chris. I'm also joined by Tony Lloyd. Hi Dave. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, just, uh, uh, cricket was good, wasn't it? Just, mm. <laughs> um, oh, man. Perhaps appropriately, I really could not be asked in like planning this episode. So I've done, uh, I've done and put your tweets all in up in this running order. Uh, so you have essentially planned this show for me because I did not want to think about Stoke for any longer than was necessary. Uh, but our first question of the episode comes from our friend at Expected Kilns. He asks, "This is all your fault." Thoughts. <laughs> I certainly feel it could be based on the fact that we started a podcast and everything went downhill. Yeah. So in the in the long run, I think it is all our faults, definitely. Like, and I I do question: is there something I can be doing to make things better? Um, and I don't know what's in my control. Actually, it's all Joe Allen's fault, and I think you'll see. Ever since he, because he scored the penalty that knocked us out of the League Cup. Yes, that's correct. Ever since that day, it's all gone downhill. So it's all his fault. Yeah, there's potentially that. I mean, um, our first game that we uh, covered on the podcast was the 2-1 last game of the season uh, win at home to West Ham. And you can argue that uh, the rot had already set in at that point. And so um, maybe we aren't to blame. Maybe I need to kind of look at the form from the start of our first full season. But you can also maybe blame the bear pit, I think. They've been getting away with it for a while. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I am scared. It is my fault. I, am, I, <laughs> I worry that uh, the podcast boys, the FIFA lads, the uh, the XG nerds, the millennials have infected Stoke City. We used to be about bloody, just kicking the fucking football about and scoring goals and being happy, and now. Once we hold it up to any scrutiny at all, it's all just fallen into dust. It's re- oh god, ooh, ooh! I don't like football. Um, mm. Daniel Flint, I have been a strong supporter of Jones, and really, <laughs> why are you laughing at Daniel Flint? <laughs> I'm just laughing at the circumstances. Oh, good, <laughs> good. If you didn't laugh, you'd cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Flint. I have been a strong supporter of Jones and really want him to succeed. <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. We'll do it, right. <laughs> We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Daniel. Are you quite well, gentlemen? Yeah, I'm fine. There's nothing like funny about the name Daniel Flint. But now when you're saying it... It oh, reminds me of Flint, Michigan, where there's a terrible crisis happening, both politically and also with all the water and stuff. So actually, it's a really sad name, intrinsically. Yeah. I don't know about yeah, Daniel but... itself being a sad name. Yeah, like, sorry, Daniel, we're not laughing at your name, but um, I think the I'm... kind of emotion of the weekend has just got to us. It's warm, 
We've been through the ringer with Stoke. Okay. We've been through the ringer with the cricket. I'm just... Um, <laughs> I'm not well. I'm not a well man. <laughs> Daniel Flint. This is why they listen. Right. Daniel Flint. I've been a strong supporter of Jones and really want him to succeed. But given our start and after Preston... <laughs> Oh fuck's sake! Sorry, Daniel. It was—it's a really good question. This is a good well. question. This is and a this good is question. A, this There's is nothing a thing. funny about the name. Uh, I've been a strong supporter of Jones and really wanted him to succeed. But given our start and after Preston and yesterday, I found myself asking, "Is it time to act?" As we seem to be in a rot. Six changes. See, screams of panic to me. We were toothless yesterday. Uh, Tony. Um, yeah, not a good day to be a Stoke fan yesterday at all. Questions being asked, especially after Preston as well, which we didn't cover on the podcast, but a, a pretty awful week. Jones abandoning the 442 diamond to try something else. That something else clearly didn't work. What do we do? It's not been that bad. We've been first on Quest now for three shows running. Um, it's nice to be a big good. fish. Yeah. Um, I also enjoy it when you can tell the commentary's been done on the highlights rather than like by somebody who was there. <laughs> yes, like when he says, yes. ironic cheers for Stokes' first shot on target there coming from the Leeds fans. <laughs> no, mate. <laughs> um, it, was, it was shit. It was... It was just a... a w- were we expecting to win? I wasn't expecting to win. I didn't... I never expect us to win, but specifically I wasn't expecting us to win against Leeds, who are the best team in the league so far by quite some distance with the best attack and the best defence. Um, Tom said last week, how do we fix it? We keep doing what we're doing because stats. Obviously the formation changed a bit on Saturday and that didn't pay off, although arguably it did pay off for the first half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever it was, because we managed not to concede a goal. Every five minutes that went past, it was a bit of a pleasure that we hadn't let one in yet. Um, And I think I would argue that towards the end, it was better than it might have been. I think if that had been the Mark Hughes team as we were on our way sliding down, that would have been seven or eight. Mm. We We did sort of keep pressing and keep trying to do the things we were supposed to be doing. We were a bit static. It didn't work as well as the proper time and... That said, if we played the proper diamond and let four or five in, that would have probably been worse. Um, I can see why he did it. Yeah, there wasn't a lack of effort really yesterday, I would argue. Uh, yeah. But uh, having just seen Chris Wilder's interview from uh, the weekend where he says, just, yeah, the players tried, but you know that's the minimum you expect from a group of professional footballers. Yeah. Stop giving me credit for my team's trying to win the football match um, yeah I, I was it was so annoying because like you said uh, 40 minutes in I thought yeah fine we've gone with this formation it's negative to be doing this in a home match but fair enough it is Leeds United we have been shipping goals for fun yeah. I, I understand trying to keep them at, at bay for a bit and then maybe in the second half we can go a bit more adventurous try for the win uh, the the point the game really turned was the second goal and it was just like just total crumbling uh, within mm. the side and, and that made the third mm. inevitable and every time they counter-attack they looked like they were going to score um, 
Federici had a decent game, to be fair to him. Uh, yeah. it, it was it was a, a, a collapse that once again points to a mental failing within the team. There is a very yeah. stoke psychology going on at the moment where uh, we can't find our way back into games. Once we concede one, we concede another. We can't score penalties. Our composure in front of goal is shot to pieces. Uh, we panic. We just and uh, like looking individually at those performances yesterday, I w- I wouldn't even like single any player out as being oh he was particularly awful. He was instrumental in us losing. Mm-hmm. I think there was just a lot of sixes and probably fives, and no one had a particular. Clanger for me, perhaps Lindsay, but that'd be pushing it. But I don't. Uh, it's. Is it the manager? Is. No. I know Tom said think... on the last podcast, Chris, that oh, he's he's waiting till after August to look. But when you're getting battered by Preston and Leeds, regardless of circumstance, that's really rank. I think at a at a push. You can say that he has been naive in some of his approach, um, but I I do not believe that if to, if tomorrow the the club if the club were to announce tomorrow parted company with Nathan Jones, um, that that wouldn't fill me with with any like optimism because because replacing him doesn't solve the the intrinsic issues. This isn't an issue of 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 systems, albeit it it doesn't reflect well on the pitch. I will give I'll give us that, but I don't think that another manager coming in. Let's say uh, the names I've seen piped around. Let's, let's go with the full hog in, in nostalgia and the people <laughs> who I've seen on on Twitter saying bring back Tony Pulis. Um. Pulis coming into this team doesn't solve it. I mean, you can argue Tony Pulis doesn't solve a lot now. He's his, he is on a downward trajectory um, after his Middlesbrough game, uh, job. But Pulis he, is he finished. Solve... Pulis is finished in professional yeah, football. But he, me. but let, let's just let's just say he came, he came in. He doesn't solve this 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 club because because it isn't a matter of getting someone in there to have a go at the players and shout at them more to get them to to, to work harder or to or to um, play, I don't know, better. It isn't a matter of, of motivation. It's a matter of the fact that there are, there are so many fundamental issues at the club. And we are just on the cusp of starting to remove this stuff. Nathan Jones had spoke about how there are still hangovers from the old regime that they were hoping to move, and it isn't the case. It is a long-term fix, and I think, I know I... Looking back, I'm certainly feeling naive in thinking that we were further along in this project than we than we are. Because let, let's be perfectly honest, we're absolutely shocking. But I don't believe that we we are suddenly in a in a worse position because of Nathan Jones. I think we are gradually transitioning. We are changing the backroom staff. <laughs> we are changing director of football. These are things that 
ha- we we have to create a good foundation to start with, and it isn't easy. And I completely and utterly empathise with everyone who watched yesterday's performance and was angry and wants to see radical change. And I completely get it. And and I'm not going to be someone who tells that 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 fan who is angry and saying Nathan Jones, you don't know what you're doing. That that they're that they're wrong. I I think. Because that, that's a very, very emotive response, and that's you do you you feel angry because we all care about the the team, and it ruins everyone's weekend when they perform like this. But you can't just change managers again and then get then limp to January till they can get some players in that they want, yeah. whilst players from the old regime stay there and things go on. You can't you can't just keep changing that that figurehead and and expecting different things that's how other teams have gone into such negative spirals for so long just replace the manager oh it's not worked replace the manager there has to be a time where you reflect on where it's continually going wrong and work on it from there now yeah i will i will happily admit that there are i have I like Nathan Jones. I really like him. But there are things that he, that we do that I'm like, why are we still doing this? But I'm not a football manager, and I'd like to give the guy a bit of credit that he probably knows more than I in terms of managing a team. It's mm. it's, it's hard. I get it. I, I completely get it. It's only a week ago that we looked quite good, and we just weren't getting the results. And it's I think it is... If we look at it as a season, because last season he started to try and implement it and it was clear that we didn't have the tools, so he just sacked it off and said, right, we'll get through this season, um, limp through this season, and then we did. And then this season was the start of that. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to use the word process. Um, but it's the start of that. And like you say, there's so much to be unpicked and fixed and it is going to take time and we've got a pretty new squad and... It's going to take time to gel. And the way he's trying to do that is a difficult way to do it. It's not like Pulis... Say Pulis came in. I'm not saying he should or would. But say Pulis came in. He would drill the shit out of everybody, organise it so we stopped letting goals in. We'd nick the odd 1-0. We'd lose some games. We'd remember how to defend. And we'd for a season, it'd probably be exciting because we'd be fighting relegation and we'd probably survive. And then the next season, it'd be shit and then the next season it'd be shit and then we'd be back where we are having got rid of all the flair and what have you whereas what we're at the start of now it just feels like something really good that we can have but we just have to get through all the shit period at the start of it and it's really it is dipping into the realms of really shit rather than just this is a bit shit but we're playing quite well but yeah yeah um, that's an optimistic way of looking at it my concern because I, I think I'm broadly with you guys. I don't. I'm not going to call for the manager to be sacked at this stage of the season. I think um, it's the definition of ins- insanity is um, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And not the thing we keep doing over and over again is changing the manager. So clearly, uh, that's that's something that we can't just keep doing. However, Jones particularly this last week I, I don't know I don't know where, the way to look look at it and perhaps Orphy's question 
maybe explain it a bit better. Orphe has asked us justifiable droppings in an accountable meritocracy or a clueless shambles. I'm gutted, worried, confused, but still think we need to hold our nerve and hope we turn the corner in the autumn. The odds are piling up, but would love NJ to do it. So jo- Jones is he's a bit of a puzzle sometimes, Jonesy. Bless him. Um, because he drops Butland and Allen, and you think, right, good, proactive, positive move. You can't accuse him of like being you know, cow- t- cowering to the big names. You can't accuse him of not picking players based on form when you drop big names like Butland and Allen. I think... Most of the fans are behind that. He puts an 18-year-old in as captain. You think, bold move. We can get behind that. And then he plays... A, a, then he rips up the diamond, uh, which people have called for. But then the moment the moment he does change formation, it was like, oh, he's going one up front at home against Leeds. And oh, what's he done now? That's so negative. And I don't know which side of the fence I fall down on. Do I fall down the side of the fence of he doesn't know what he's doing, he's panicking now, these are panicky moves to try and get the fans on side, these are panicky moves to try and eke out a nil-nil draw against Leeds, or do I look at the side of, right, he's changing what isn't working, it's still a process, he's, he's got to find, he's still got to find the right team, which he hasn't done yet. So do I look at him as being uh, proactive or do I look at it as being panicky? And I think there's a case to be made for both. Um, a question from George. Should Jones stick by his guns and persevere with the diamond, only dropping the individuals making blatant mistakes, e.g. Butland, Allen and Bart, in the hope our luck changes? Yesterday's attempt to shore up the defence merely sacrificed all creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think partly what is concerning about the he's panicking argument is because he knows he's under pressure that's why he's panicking if he's got so much faith in this diamond system why change it uh, that's i mean that's a very very good point if you if you are so attached to a system yeah why why change it i mean he did the similar last season where he changed the system to play against leeds i don't think anywhere has he said that we this is what we're going to play regardless of opposition I, I i think that he he's a a manager who still recognises that sometimes you have to adjust to a threat from a, a, a good team, and there's no doubt about it. Leeds are in terrific form, and and those the first two goals yesterday were were absolutely superb. I find it sad that that is an excuse for me that oh you know Leeds are a really good team. Well, that's where we should be, but we're not as further along in the process as they are. Um. But I, I mean, I get it. I get. I, I don't think you should move away from a the diamond a diamond formation. I know that I've seen a lot of people criticise it. Um, I saw someone uh, say that oh, it might work in Sunday leagues like League One and League Two, but the Premier League <laughs> and Championship are, are different. because uh, Arsenal played the diamond yesterday and and it and it failed. Um, it, 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 no, that I mean, no, just no. It's 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 a it's a bizarre situation because I can't remember. Perhaps since Good John Thord Arson's infamous three five two has a formation been under such scrutiny at Stoke, and I think mm. it's only because we're a bit unused to it, and this manager has such a strong association with it that we're we're all even talking about this. I don't even think 
there was, there was a bit of talk under Hughes when Hughes played three at the back for a while, but it was. I, I just find it odd that the four. It's it has to be the formation's fault, um, particularly when we have games like uh, Charlton and um, Derby where. The, they are individual ricks happening, and and you can see yeah. the positives from the formation starting to appear. Um, I, I, I might be wrong about this. I don't think the diamond is inherently bad. I don't think there is mm-hmm. such a thing as an inherently bad football formation. It's not like he's playing nine up front. It's, it's not like he's trying to lose a game on Football Manager, is it? No, exactly. I, there are, there are, you know, strengths and weaknesses to each formation. I get that, but you you can only you beat that drum so so hard for me. I don't think we are where we are now because we played a diamond formation four games out of five. Um, so hmm. that's obviously- and there are plenty and there are plenty of examples of top teams playing a diamond formation and it being hugely successful you can't it isn't a case of oh it's yeah it's inherently the wrong thing to play as just as like you can't for me you can't say oh the 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 players they're just not right for the system well no because players aren't they they aren't just stats on football manager God, look at me targeting the football manager. <laughs> they're not—they're not just a, a set of numbers. That's like, oh well, this means that this equals this. Therefore, he can play this. Like, they're people, and people are, are malleable, and they can learn and do different things. Yes, yeah, some pe- players will be more used to playing other systems, but they're still humans who can learn things. Like, you can't just say, oh well, we're going to have to get rid of this player because he can't function in this system off the bat. I find that. I find that argument too robotic almost. Yeah, I wonder if on Football Manager, like all, all our players at the minute would have like a flexibility score of one. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it is early in the season. We just happen to also be bottom of the league and only got one point. So it becomes more urgent than if we were doing okay. If, if we'd got a couple of wins out of the games that, we played then it would obviously be a lot better than it is now and mm. presumably less people would be talking about the diamond in a negative way um, I just yeah I can't remember what I was going to go on to say now but it, I just I I think we have to stick with like there's, yeah. there's no way to improve this by the thing is how many managers have we had where they've obviously needed to make a change and they haven't made a change and everybody's been going, oh, make some kind of change, whereas Nathan Jones has actually made a change and obviously is getting kicked in the nuts for it. Yeah, um, but again, we are also bottom of the table, so there is no manager alive who could get Nathan Jones's results and not be criticised for it. Um, but a question from Arthur, if we aren't giving a young, innovative man- manager a long period to mould the team in his own image... How will we ever get out of this division? And is there a man-managing coach around the world who could help Jones get his players out of their confidence rut whenever we concede? Uh, just on the kind of first point, um, the the kind of names touted around uh, just make me want to put my face against an angle grinder, to be honest. Um, Pulis, fucking O'Neill, uh, Hewton, even Hewton, I just think, Oh, Chris Hewton, really? I know he. He's, I know he's done all right, but fucking. 
just oh. this period of history is the end of these football men. Like, ch- write it down and and put it on your. I don't know if you have a blackboard at home. Write it there to remind yourself every day because this era now is the death of those type of football men. They are becoming. They're finding themselves out of work more frequently. They're finding their tactics to be ineffective. Martin O'Neill at Nottingham Forest, anyone. Hardly a summit to, to shout about, is it? Look, Tony got, Pulis at Middlesbrough. Look, exactly. Look, he got promoted last season. Daniel Farker, um, Chris Wilder and uh, Dean Smith. Three innovative, yeah. exciting, forward-thinking managers. Look who's going to go up this season, Marcelo Bielsa, who's been kind of the most forward-thinking manager possibly in now, th- in football for the last 10, 20 years. Um, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. As as much as we love the Pulis heyday and we love getting promoted in 2008, that was uh, 11 years ago now. Football has changed mm-hmm. a lot since then. And it, I don't think... It's, go on. It's, it's pure nostalgia for, for Pulis and it's... And for anyone else, it's this absolute desire for a strong man to come in, a strong man figure who who people feel are gonna, oh, that'll toughen them up and sort them out. And it and it's just not proven to be effective. The only the only one who you can argue has been effective in recent years is Neil Warnock, and and that's because Neil Warnock has an absolutely uncanny ability to just motivate people and motivate them together. But even then, Neil Warnock's coming to the end of his career. Like, there is... The, this this is a dying breed, and as you say, that it's it's the 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 younger managers who are building not just a team, but they're building a the the club. They're, the club has been built around them, and you're in you're getting in an era now where sustainable clubs and like a, a, a way of beating the 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 the. The, the big money of Man City's and stuff. You, teams are looking for other ways to be successful. And so this is a period of well-run clubs being rewarded. And that's where we've got to go. I, I have no doubt that this is... An, it's awful. And yes, everyone is absolutely entitled to groan and mumble. And that and that's fine. That absolutely fine. I'm not, no one's going to say, oh, you can't complain about yesterday's result. But this is just something we're going to have to get through because we have to get through it to become a well-run club. Six months ago, 18 months ago, we are not a well-run club. We have to get some of these players out. We have to change things around. We have to get rid of some of the complacency up top. This is something that has to gradually change and it's tough. And again, empathise with everyone who's feeling absolutely shit about it. But... We just have to get ourselves through it. Yeah, on the uh, well-run club point, uh, I mean, I think it hasn't gone unnoticed that uh, Tony Scholes is on holiday at the moment with uh, not long left to shift uh, quite a few of the kind of the bomb squad, if you like. Um, And I, I think this area hasn't really been discussed on this podcast anyway as much as it perhaps could have been uh, so I kind of want to talk about that and like anything um, if you've ever de- done GCSE history you'll know about short-term factors and long-term factors so in your immediate short term you've got uh, Jack Butland dropping clangers and Leeds walking all over us and 
the fact we've got one point from five games as that kind of um, is putting us where we are now. But the problems, I think, that are really the cause of where we are now are more systemic. We're talking about um, Mark Cartwright and Mark Hughes and Tony Scholes and their approach to recruitment, which, yes, did recruit some very good players. But when the going got tough, when Arnautovic left, we went crazy. We had no discernible transfer policy. We bought a centre-half we didn't need for £18 million, who turned out not to be able to run. We bought players who, uh, with the best will in the world, just did not want to be there or did not have the basic things that Chris Wilder was talking about, the basic application to be a successful footballer, Saida Berahino, Imbula. And then we kind of threw them in a changing room that had a certain uh, old-school mentality, and there was obvious friction within that dressing room between the likes of your talk sport team of today, your Givens, your Johnsons, your Adams... um, and mix them with a load of foreign lads who either didn't try or weren't perceived to have tried. Also some British lads who didn't try as well, should point that out. Uh, so there was obviously friction there. You had a disunited team under a manager who had lost his ability to get results. Uh, so obviously that leads to relegation. It just does. It doesn't matter if you're a really good team or not. That just happens. Um, so then that same recruitment uh, finances... Gary Rowett, a manager with at least half a decent track record. And there has been some kind of Rowett revisionism recently. And, you know, you can, you can argue now if Rowett was perhaps harshly done by it. But we spent over £30 million trying to buy players for a system that n- neither produced entertainment nor results. That was g- going nowhere for my money. Um, but the, it... it Every stage there was no accountability. I, th- I think Tony Scholes did like one Radio Stoke interview where he said, oh, hold my hands up on this or that. But it just wasn't good enough. Cartwright has just now left. Mark, one of the principal architects of where we are now, has only just left. And we're getting in the new director of football soon. That's such a massive makes such a massive difference to behind the scenes. And yes, I know this isn't why Leeds walked all over us yesterday but it's it's these things that add up and build up Tony what does what has Tony Scholes done and who is holding him to account because I mean bless the fans council but do we need six meetings a season to be reminded Delilah's bar is open after the game <laughs> and it's it shouldn't be the fans council's job we have a situation where we've spent a lot of money well spent a lot of money last season we have a bizarre expectation on ourselves we expected Rowett's team to be champions uh, this podcast included and we expect Nathan Jones to be competing for the playoffs having spent two million having just cobbled together a team for his system based on free transfers and loans Mm -hmm. and with Skull still there um, you can talk about Peter Coates and his uh, uh, I'm all right, I'm going to get shit for this, but I'll say it anyway. I wonder how how um, in tune he is with how bad the situation has been, because you get the fuss about comments and you get 
certain indications from the brief times he does speak that yeah. do not really that don't really correlate with what a lot of fans are thinking. Uh, that's not I want Peter Coates out. That is what's going on here. The the powers that be have overseen four years of terminal decline. Yeah. Tried to throw money at the problem. Tried to throw new managers at the problem. Um, mm-hmm. But at least they introduced contactless <laughs> car payments. So <laughs> yeah, six and a half dozen. Really. It's shit. Well. What the fuck is going this on? Is, this is it. Club? Like Robin Tunstall on Twitter had said that the so last four Stoke managers, common denominators between the the pet all of them were the board owners, players, Tony Skulls, and the fans. And I mean, the the fans are going to get getting some of the blame already, aren't they? In terms of oh yeah, it, it's our negative atmosphere's fault. And yeah, there's probably an argument somewhere in there. But, but I think that atmosphere is partly consequence of the expectation. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Not that, like by all means, like that performance <laughs> yesterday was shit, and by all means, express your disappointment with that. But I think when you hype your team up as being top six contenders, promotion contenders, mm-hmm. and then it turns out, whoa, hang on, then obviously it's gonna, it, you're gonna get that. If I mean, I don't think I I still oh, have faith in Nathan Jones. But if we're saying Hughes, Lambert, Rower, and now Jones, where it's fading and failing a little bit, if if we're saying all of those have been failures, then you can't yeah. just keep saying it's the the manager's fault, or well, you can say players' fault, but you've got, you've got to go higher. You've got to go higher than that. And well, who's who's the person who's recruiting that? Who's recruiting manager? We're we're also not in a period where. The manager is the mm. sole person signing yeah. players anymore. It's the job of of other people in the club. So, if you're looking at issues with recruitment, we need. Well, we we are ta- we Cartwright's going. You need to be looking at these figures. Who th- the manager only does so much. You've got to go higher than them and and start pointing a finger, or at least maybe <coughs> again, it's not it's not our responsibility. It's their responsibility as as owners of the club and higher-ups to be self-reflective and realise what the issues are. They need to look in the mirror and see and say, well, maybe we've been wrong about this. I personally don't feel like that is what they're doing. And it's a long process to... That's a harder thing to change. Question from Joe. Uh, question from the pod. Do you think we are missing Shawcross? And do you think he could, would have provided a bit more stability and leadership also, side note: all the people calling for TP need electric shock treatment. Uh, yeah, on the shock, I think yeah, absolutely. Um, we always end up do missing him for my money. We, even when he's written off as being a bit old and a bit past it, we always do miss him when he's not there. And leadership. Uh, Ryan Shawcross is a player who gets criticised for not being a vocal and full-throated captain, but there's a lot to be said for leadership by example. Um, and I think. Uh, Nathan Collins is 18, Liam Lindsay's a young player, Carter Vickers is a young player as well, but I think they could do with a Shawcross figure in there. I know Bart's got a lot of experience, but when Bart's throwing ricks like he did against Preston, uh, it's quick to lose faith in him. So, And especially someone around the club as well who can be uh, kind of a leadership fig- figure for the younger guys because uh, they- they'll know who Ryan Shawcross is, they'll have they'll know how kind of associated with Stoke City Football Club he is. Of course, uh, his presence 
on the pitch is going to be missed and in the dressing room as well. So I, I think that's a pretty straightforward one uh, for my money. I, we are missing him. Um, Andrew asks, are we a club with a few loud uh, fans who only joined in when things were good? Things are pretty crap now, but it's been a lot worse. And uh, one from Chris, why are some of our fans so negative? If you want to boo your own team and your manager, why even bother coming? Um, any thoughts on the atmosphere, Tony? I know, uh, were you there yesterday? I was, yeah. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I went a bit Sean Deitch. Um <laughs> yes, it was. I think it is a reasonably small percentage that are really aggressively. Nathan Jones is out of his depth. We should be winning every game. This is Coates. Need, somebody behind me was saying Coates needs to act this weekend so we can still get Rafa Benitez in. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 that that sort of steals my conviction that I want Jones to succeed. How, how do you argue? That's exact. How do you even? How argue do you argue with that? with that? And it was non-stop for ninety minutes, and it's just like, especially the first half, it's like, well, we we're playing all right against a really really good team, but you get you get the the people who are just every time the ball go, every time somebody does anything slightly wrong, a misplaced pass, somebody runs not where the pass was going because they're trying to do clever things or move in an interesting way and the ball doesn't go and and people go oh that was good and stuff like that and it's just obviously the people saying that are the ones you hear and the people who are thinking i want us to win but also this is okay you don't what how, how do you how do you express that in the form of a an aggressive yeah. noise other than every time we do something reasonably acceptable you do a quite loud clap i mean i i think the i wouldn't say vocal minority because that's a bit patronizing probably i think that that term has just come to mean something else but i think that's what it is but obviously that is growing every week for longer we go without a win but i i, I think there's a a reasonable bulk of people who are I mean, not unconcerned, but waiting for the process to, like, being patient about it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I hope. Yeah. I, I, it was weird yesterday because against QPR, I, found, I, I genuinely thought it was an awful atmosphere and bordering on toxic, mm. to use a, a bit of a buzzword. But against Leeds, I thought, this is just pure apathy. There is just nothing here. Uh, I think even Unita had given up by the looks of it as well. It was just like, oh, God, this is just grim. This is just grim. And obviously Leeds brought uh, brought no one, as usual. Bloody Leeds never take any away from us mm. anywhere, do they? Um, <laughs> but to, to, I mean, to try and throw devil's advocate a little bit, like, I know we all hypothetically think that we should all be there and everyone should be singing no matter what get behind the team, get behind the lads but there is we the the fan the fans mood is affected heavily by how the how the teams are playing and as for four years for four years we've hardly it, it's been a steady decline of people people have just got used to this malaise like we're not it isn't as simple as saying you need to all come along and you need to all shout because I wish it was. I wish it was, and I wish that the 
the Unita folks could inspire a whole stadium of people to sing, but it just it it's it's so easy to be like, well, we should be behind the lads twenty four seven. Um, 365 days a year <laughs> shouting from the rooftop it's easy to say that but then when you sat amongst it I mean we've been to games together Dave it's when you're playing like shit it's really difficult to get yourself excited for anything and be like come on yeah like, it's, it's hard the worst I was going to say the worst one is that when every collectively in, in the whole stadium just goes <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's the worst yeah. one but yeah, you, you're right. Yeah, um, I, I, I wasn't like, I, I didn't intend that to be maybe too critical. I hope it didn't come across that way. It was more sort of, um, yeah, it, obviously, if we are shit, then the atmosphere is going to reflect that. I think it's, and I do take the kind of criticism of the atmosphere with a pinch of salt because perhaps 2008 just spoiled us. Um we are now back into a situation where we are mid-table to lower mid-table of the championship club again. And if you remember before 2008, we no one went to Stoke and thought, oh, they fill out the ground and have a brilliant atmosphere. Um, like yeah, like yesterday, yeah. it, it wasn't that I thought, oh, the atmosphere is bad, this is a disgrace, uh, sack, Unita and all the rest of it. It was like, it was it was just a kind of reflection of what a uh, decline we've had and and how, in a way, perhaps the apathy and the silence and just the odd comment here and there can often be worse than, you know, a you know a bare pit of anger if you like. And um, it was just kind of, especially when the third went in, the load of people left, and we just kind of sat there in silence, uh, like. I think one person around me joined in with uh, you getting sacked in the morning from the Leeds fans and I thought uh, that's unhelpful mm. but I'm not going to you know stand up and sing Nathan Jones Red and White Army either because I don't think that would have caught on um, yeah so a bit of a it was just very damp it was just like being like just stepping on some dog dirt or something just, I um, did that yesterday on my way back from a game oh, perfect oh, no. ending to the world's longest day um, mm. it's a metaphor it, just going back to what Chris said and what you said as well about 2008 I think part of the reason we get some people saying oh if we get behind the team we'll be good is because that's literally what happened that first year it's like literally we showed that if mm. if everybody does just turn up and go oh, and intimidate the other team and like <laughs> it's not a thing that could happen we're not the Borg we can't just go and get Patrick Stewart to make everybody cheer, regardless of what's going on. It'd be amazing. I'd sign up for that. But yeah, like, if we could do that, would it change the way the results are going? What have Stoke done where we're wishing we were part of the Bulgs Collective? (laughs) Jesus. I don't know what that means, but... (laughs) (laughs) That's just the type of conversations we have when you're not on the podcast, though. (laughs) <laughs> Trodding shit. Uh, Patrick Stewart. What else have we got to tick off, Chris? <laughs> have you done Dungeons and Dragons know. yet? No, not okay. yet. We'll do that in a bit. <laughs> Wheat us. Um, <laughs> question from Big Nath. What sport should we all watch as football ah. is a bit shite? Uh, that, that, this could segue into one of your obscure other interests, Chris and, uh, Chris and Tony. But. Uh, by all means, 
I mean, what, what, what do you like to do in your spare time? Let the, let the listeners into uh, your world. Because that's what, that's what people love, isn't it, about podcasts? They love, like, just mates just chatting about other stuff that <laughs> rather than the rather than what they've list, downloaded the podcast for idea what for a podcast like. three men talk about their hobbies and interests yeah <laughs> i think it I could mean, catch what, on the only thing that i think would make it more unique is three men three sorry three white men sit around and talk about films <laughs> <laughs> i was going to say i like watching really old clips of neighbors episodes and cooking pasta that's, that's nice. Oh, I'm drinking it? wine, but I'm I've, 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 my glass is empty, so. Oh, mm. Mm. There we go. So, yeah. alternative sports are neighbours and wine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but if you speaking of battered Aussies, Wee. cricket, <laughs> cricket, <laughs> cricket's good. To see a Stokes performance, that's actually quite decent. <laughs> There's plenty more where this came from. Uh, just log go on the Twitter for uh, more more banner. Um, I thought you were going to say bounce. there's plenty of this. Just uh, just sign up to Patreon. <laughs> <where> you've... <laughs> As I'm so, I'm so on board with the Wizards of Drivel cricket podcast that I will oh, happily, should the patrons demand it, if one patron demands it, I'll do a cricket <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That'll be, that'll be lovely. Uh, I'm like the end. Uh, Triumph of Death asks, what, what, what a cheerful name, Triumph of Death. Uh, will you shut the podcast down once everyone has given up on the team? Uh, if everyone has given up on the team, then presumably no one will want to listen. So I'm, kind of I'm going to keep doing the podcast just to wind up Triumph of Death. <laughs> I'm, I'm up for that. Just, I'm into just that. keep tagging him in every episode. On, on every post, every post, I'm just gonna <laughs> at triumph of death. Could make it oh, funny good. by just en- enlisting Daniel Flint to write in every week, and then people could <laughs> listen to you giggle. <laughs> oh, poor Daniel Flint. Sorry, Dan. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rupert, why are cats babies called kittens, but lions and tigers are called cubs? Oh. Point. Should we uh, petition to start calling them cat cubs? Cat cubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or why don't you call them lion kittens? Because that's, if anything, more adorable. Child. Uh, I'll refer to her as child number one, even though child number two isn't actually here on the out out in the world yet. But she started. Um, well, she started to try and tell jokes, but she doesn't understand what a joke is. <laughs> uh, so, so yesterday she just like came uh, to Michael me. McIntyre. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. She's actually writing his material. Um, she came up to me and goes, uh, "Daddy, why are uh, kittens puppies? It's just a great joke. That's, that's not a joke." My my did, daughter did, did, is that's, that's a lie. My <laughs> child did, number did one she put on a, a Lancashire accent and go, "What's all that about?" <laughs> <laughs> kittens, puppies. Do you remember? Do you remember kittens? Do you remember? Oh, them? in the nineteen eighties, kittens. Oh, they, yeah. My my daughter is a few years ahead of yours, Chris. And my daughter has gone in the last year or so from that. Well, few years, I suppose, from that to being genuinely really funny, and it always catches me off guard. <laughs> so I don't know where she gets it from. She just comes out with just witticisms and quips, and just she so can you've be got a funny. Radio Four panelist, yeah. <laughs> Whereas Chris has got a BBC One prime time, yeah, uh, observational <laughs> com- comedian. Uh, 
Lucky Chris, oh, that's man. where the money is. I, I, dream, I dream of a child being on just a minute. That's my dream. <laughs> yeah. oh, one, well. one for the wider listeners, that one. <laughs> yeah, I hate it when podcasters start talking about their own lives. <laughs> Have we got any more Stoke questions? Got my wa- uh, my yes. wife's book lun- launch was this week. It's very good. Sorry, oh, carry on. You can plug that at the end, uh, <laughs> no. Tony. I think uh, the crossover will be less than just a minute. Right. <laughs> uh, Rupert asks if you could pick one former Stoke player or manager and take them out for a drink. Who would it be and why? Uh, while Tony and Chris think about this one, I refer, refer you to an article we had on WizardsOfDribble.com <laughs> last season, which was ranking. Uh, Stoke players in how much fun they'd be to go to the pub with and I think it was probably a mixture of it was probably Bojan from memory but that was just you know me being on brand uh, if I could take any form Stoke player manager out for a drink um, I would take out James McLean just for uh, protection really <laughs> just kind of he's just hard and scary and just I'd feel safe. <laughs> if we're going down former players, I'd I'd want to meet up with with Rick again because we had like what uh, two hours or so with him. Just imagine his company for longer, but sharing a friendly drink. I mean, I, I just that would be great. I would love that. Am I right? He'd be late. He <sighs> would be late to it, but it wouldn't yes. matter. <laughs> Am I right in saying Rick doesn't drink? Have I imagined that? Uh, suppo- supposedly he doesn't. Because yeah. he could give yeah, you a lift home as well, be- then. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorted. I think I'd, I'd have Nathan Jones just because I love him that much. I would just sit him down and say, just have, have a couple of hours to chill out and forget about everything and just give him a nice shoulder rub. Good. Him, him signing your daughter's shirt has really had an effect on you, hasn't it? I, I've quite liked him before, to be honest. But yes. Uh, Lewis says, any nice holiday destinations, lads? Went to Lanzarote <laughs> in the Canary Islands and it was lovely, but always looking out for more. Um, Chris, uh, what's your places? What's his budget? Let's give me give me a budget to work with, and we'll plan a holiday. Well, he can afford Lanzarote, so I'm I'm, I'm uh, shoot. I have, like, it's low. I have... I've been to Lanzarote um, because it was really cheap. Although it's also yeah. really enjoyable if you hire a car and then you can do things like walk up a volcano and stuff like that. It was actually really surprised me how nice it was. I would also, on that basis, recommend Malta, which I could also afford. Um, <laughs> Ooh. Because, uh, because it was cheap, I mean. Um, <laughs> Malta, I, I, I could afford Lanzarote, <laughs> therefore, I mean... Causation, therefore, I could also afford Malta because that's two places I have been able to afford to pay for myself to go. I did get paid for, or well, when I got married, we went to Barbados and that was fucking amazing, but I could not on my own afford to do that ever. But it's very nice. But Chris, you have actual thoughts. I mean, I was just going to say just go to Berlin because it's an awesome city mm. and you will always, for, for whatever your price tag, you can probably spend a few days there and really, really enjoy yourself because it's such a nice place. Mm. Didn't the price Indeed. tag burn down? <laughs> <laughs> that is the best joke we've ever had on this podcast, and I'm not even joking. 
That was excellent. Thank you very much. I might just that is the highlight of the season. Top me wine up. Now, for the people who didn't get that joke, uh, <laughs> raise your game. But for the people who did, this is why you subscribe. That, that little nugget just made it all worthwhile. Oh dear. Uh, yeah, I went to Dublin. Dublin was nice. Uh, oh yeah. That was good. Uh, I saw a 10-1 win, which was... Whoa, bloody hell. Uh, the Mighty Bohemians FC. Uh, up the lads. Um, yeah, that was nice. Uh, but I would recommend, Lewis, uh, Leeds. Um, oh. Obviously, get, we'll be there Tuesday night, won't we, Tony? Yeah. Bit of, uh, bit of Carabao Cup action. See us lose again. <laughs> Oh, I man. love watching us lose to Leeds. Leeds, it's like what my happens second favorite thing ever. It, if we win, what's the mood then? If they they turn out an entire rotated squad and we scrape by one nil, what's the atmosphere then? I have a. I think it's the same. Yeah. I don't think anyone gives. I don't a know shit. why I'm saying it because we're not going to win. So don't get that out yet. It, it'll be exactly the same as when we beat Wigan. Though it'll be like yay, and then it doesn't matter. But I I have a very long winded thought pattern about this because I have been in London two weekends out of the last four so I can correlate Stoke not winning with me going to London um, either before or after and I'm not now planning to go to London until I think if we win on Tuesday I'm going to book a hotel for the cup final day so then that would be my next trip to London so that would Admittedly, obviously, we'll then lose that final, but we'll probably win all the games in between, I reckon. Because it is all about me. That's why Stoker shit at the minute. I mean, yeah. Obviously, I wasn't involved in the podcast until fairly recently, so I don't necessarily share all the blame, but I don't think since I started contributing, we've improved particularly. Yeah, I, I, I think you're pretty much, you're tarnished with our brush now. Mm. Uh, Tony, you can't you can't really escape the wizard's curse. Uh, yeah, I, I remember saying in the pre-season preview that I think our penalty curse will be broken by us winning a shootout in one of the cups. So maybe Tuesday night is the night. Uh, that would that would be a happier happier time if we won a penalty shootout. <laughs> Philippe asks if Stoke was a packet of crisps, what flavour would they be? Uh, oh. Is shit a flavour? <laughs> Um, is anxiety a flavour? Is um, you know, is you know when you stub your toe and it sort of throbs in that first like twenty seconds or so, yeah. and it's just like ah bloody hell. So it's a mixture of kind of the embarrassment of having stubbed your toe and the actual pain itself, like that pain and embarrassment toe stubby feeling. If that's a flavour. I think it could be that. Um, I think also kind of sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Very warm day yesterday. It wasn't good. Oh, yeah. uh, best thing about yesterday, I had to. Uh, well, sorry, my dad paid an extra ten pounds for us to get in because we lost our season cards. <laughs> well done. What? Found them now. Awesome. Oh. Who's who's in get charge of keeping track of your season cards? Dad. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God. 
That just made the whole day worthwhile for you, didn't it, really? Just added to the pleasure of the game. Well, you say that, but if you tried treading in shit, because I had a real <laughs> roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What Chris flavour would we be, lads? We've uh, we've done the important stuff. You know... Um. I think we'd be... Uh, I, don't, I don't have the energy for this. <laughs> Yeah, healthy yeah, crisps. You know those baked ones that aren't really crisps. Oh yeah, the shit ones. Yeah. No, because they're good for you, and this isn't. <laughs> this is. Oh. Uh, we are oh, we, we would be soggy, gone off monster munch. <laughs> monster munch are quite exciting though, and have have, a, have a defined shape. Not when they're soggy. <laughs> Sorry, that was <laughs> no, a Gary no. Rower era joke. <laughs> My favourite pie is apple. Does that count? Yeah, someone did ask what our favourite pie is. Yeah, 3.17. Have they all gone mad this weekend? Like, I know that it's the thing to write, write in with daft questions, but... I think... Bloody hell. I'm no expert I've, on polling methods, but I think the question was slightly geared towards getting non-football yes, responses. Yes, I did, I did ask... Oh, I did. Dang. I did specify that they didn't have to be football related, but the okay. amount of like tactical, hard-hitting, stats-based questions that didn't make it in. True. I think, true. I think the listeners will thank us. In a way, <laughs> if only because it facilitated that um, price tag joke. Which <laughs> 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 is still my favourite thing. Um, can I end on a bleak and serious and angry note, and then we can oh. wrap it up? Yeah. yeah. Uh, question from Kevin: Why do a section of your fans think it's okay to sing Galatasaray songs ah. when playing Leeds? Two totally innocent fans were stabbed to death. So why is that okay? Um, it's fucking so fucking embarrassing uh, by little virgins with fucking daft, ugly faces who <laughs> think they're being all clever and. If you want to be clever and funny, construct a joke about the right side, okay? <laughs> yeah. This kind of... This is... this. There's a stage where... I know there's a whole kind of debate perpetuated by virgin intel weirdos on the internet, which is, oh, you can't say anything these days. It's just... Why are you getting all offended? We're offended. Oh, you're offended. Um, but there is just a way to be a person... And it's not about being offended and triggered and uh, uh, PC and lefty and liberal. It's about being a cunt and not being a cunt. And unfortunately, a small minority of fucking weirdos uh, near the Leeds fans chose to be cunts. And uh, we can only um, apologise to the Leeds fans, uh, perhaps friends, maybe even friends of those fans were there. For all we knew, mm-hmm. um, we can only apologise and say, "Yes, a small section of dickheads let us down." It's, it's just so fuck. Like we don't need this on top of everything else. It's utterly, utterly creepy and just weird. It's just weird. Imagine just that going through your head. It's fucking mm. weird. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. Um, oh, I did notice 
actually, Chris, a tweet from Shelley FCFC, who, who, I don't. Th- this is kind of dedication and then some. She noticed that before the Wigan game in the cup, which we won, I instead of saying "go on Stoke" at the end of the podcast, said "come on Stoke," and obviously Ooh. we beat Wigan, and then. Uh, when I was listening to the most recent podcast back on the uh, train from Manchester Airport, I was like, oh, please say, come on, Stoke, Chris, because that will that, you know, keep our winning streak going. You didn't, Shit. but you weren't to know. Uh, but <laughs> so, ba- so the first we, question we, in the episode, is this all our fault? No, yeah. it's not your fault. It's mine. <laughs> it's my fault. But we, have, but we have the power to rectify this now. Okay. Because if, if we simply change the, um, the outro... Then we might just save Stoke's season. Okay, let's try it. What else we got left? <laughs> so we all say it together, or are yeah, we going to try one person let's, each? Let's do it. Uh, thank you, Tony. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Dave. Okay, let's let's metaphorically hold hands. Three, two, one. Come, Come on, Stoke. Stoke.